This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. Well, welcome again to another exciting series of episodes that we are covering on uh, CEOs, founders and co-founders. And uh, what better than talking about driving a great culture within a company. Um, every CEO, every founder starts off a new company or a new CEO joins an established company as well. I think that's the biggest question for them as to how they can build a cult- culture that kind of thrives. Um, and it also motivates others to grow within the company. Uh, so to talk about that, we've got uh, somebody from Australia, Barrett Kennett. Uh, I think he reached out to me or somebody from his team reached out to me on LinkedIn a few months ago, um, got connected to him on LinkedIn. Very, very interesting profile. Um, he's wearing different hats. He's a CEO. He's an author. He's a keynote speaker. He's also a, a sales and marketing consultant. And I don't know if I've missed anything else there in your uh, profile, uh, Bart, but uh, that's why you know we have got you to speak on about yourself. So why don't you take the mic and tell a bit more about what you do? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, no, I, I really, you know, one one thing uh, that that really uh, you know excited me to speak about it is is obviously being able to speak about company culture, which is um, more and more I think businesses and and people who are either you know in big businesses or starting their own businesses or whatever, they're, they're all starting to realize that that makes a big difference. I think coming out of the pandemic where everyone went to remote work and very quickly we started to realize that, uh, you know, something was missing that, that, you know, it, the, the, the equation of go work from home, unless someone's like a hyper conscientious personality type where they just, you know, are super driven to just get the job done, which is really only about one quarter of staff that human element and that team element was really important. So, um, yeah, that's something I, I'm very grateful to have, um, you know, having, having worked in a tough industry, predominantly most of what our company does is face-to-face sales. So working on behalf of other organizations when they need things sold. So whether that's, uh, you know, door to door or shopping centers or business to business, um, you know, something that is traditionally not looked at as an easy job and not looked at as an easy job to, to recruit staff in, uh, uh, certainly not an easy job to retain staff in. And, and you know, I think the fact that I got to play on hard mode rather than on easy mode has really enabled me to, you know, when I went into the speaking space, you know, dealing with companies, you know, big companies that, you know, they got, they you know, they come to me and say, oh my goodness, my, you know, my, my best seller is, is thinking about quitting. What do I do? And for me, that's like a Tuesday afternoon, you know, so, so really, really having dealt with such a, you know, played the game on such a hard level, it's now really enabled me to help a lot of other businesses. So, so that sort of, I guess, is the background and kind of what leads us here. We were fortunate enough and I think, you know, made, made all the more impressive, not to self-appreciate too much, but, um, the, but, but made more impressive by the fact that it is, you know, a traditionally undesirable job. The, we we actually our company Fcom was actually ranked the number one company to work for in Australia last year in the Great Place to Work survey, um, and, and I think that you know be, being able to do that in you know in something that's less comfortable and is quite challenging and can be quite difficult and quite be quite mentally straining. I think 
you know, with without tooting my horn, I, I feel like I'm definitely someone, you know, I feel like I can definitely help as far as business owners or CEOs or anybody who really wants to help nail culture, because that's something that if we if we didn't have that in our company, there's no way we would have survived. So, you know, there can be different nuances to that. Uh, but, uh, thanks for that introduction, by the way. Uh, there can be different nuances to that uh, of a great company culture, right? Uh, some people can describe it as a good work-life balance, a stress-free life, giving enough time to the social life as well, um, having leaders at workplace who can show some empathy. Um, and we talk all kinds of things like servant leadership and different leadership styles, which kind of drive a great com company culture and cult you know, environment. So according to you, how would you define a great company culture? What, what kind of steps are you doing in your company to ensure that you can thrive and you can start building a good culture? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, culture is obviously so uh, different based on, you know, based on who's going to be in the company, right? Because people want different things. For me, my mentality around culture is creating a place where nobody feels like they're coming to work. They just feel like they're going to come and make money with their mates, you know, make money with people they like. And and that 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 suits our needs. But again, where we're more targeted at, you know, or, or our average staff is generally a bit younger. They're looking for uh, opportunities to develop their skills and improve their improve themselves, get some leadership experience, and potentially progress into a management or partnership role within the business, or use the the skills they learn as a stepping stone to go on to a career that suits them better. So the the culture for us is very much one of people who are motivated, people that want to learn, people that that would rather something difficult so that they can then become who they need to be because you know growth and comfort don't happen at the same time and so people that want work life balance or they want you know they don't want to be working very hard or they don't want pressure or they don't want they don't want to be in something results based like sales our our culture is not going to suit them right they they might want something where they they get more flexibility or they get more um you know, more of that, you know, ability to, you know, work around their kids or work around their family or, you know, be remote or whatever it might be. So what does culture mean to me? It, it means, you know, making it feel amazing and have momentum and grow in a way that the people who are in your team would desire. And so it's going to, that's going to be different for everybody. For us, my motto is, and what great makes a great culture for us is I want to make sure people are having fun, making money and growing right? Those are my three tenets of how we treat our staff. That's what got us really good. But then also simultaneously, culture is what are the rules? What are the values? What are the principles of that business? And are we actually upholding that business, that, you know, those principles? And are we, do we have standards around them? So if somebody breaks one of those principles, is there some recourse? Do they get spoken to? Where for us, for instance, FCOM, our goal, our, our values have always been compassion standards growth. We look after each other, we pick each other up, don't push each other down. We, you know, we, we don't make excuses. We get things done and we grow and level up and have to improve every day. If, if somebody is, you know, intentionally does something uh, self-serving and doesn't help one of their teammates, that might fly in another company, but they're going to have a meeting with me the next day. And we're going to go, Hey, do you see, or at least a phone call to say, Hey, do you understand how that's not in line with our values? So, so, you know, th to answer your two-part question, number one is we figure out, you know, what we want it to feel like based on the kind of people we need. 
And then number two, we actually enforce those rules while making sure we're delivering our end of it, giving them a place that, that they're going to thrive in. Yep. I think that's amazing again. Um, just wanting to bring in George here as well into this discussion now. Uh, wanted to make sure that he feels equally participated as ever. Um, so George, um, we have talked a lot about great leaders and great leadership styles before. You know, you and I keep on talking about it all the time. Uh, do you have anything to add up to what Barrett said and any questions on how kind of uh, leadership and also company culture leads to better results in a company? Yeah. Um, well, the first thing is that if you if you look at a business a bit like a family, um, the the head of the business is the matriarch patriarch of that family. Now, uh, anybody that's grown up in a family where the parents said, do as I say, not as I do, they know that the culture of that family was not very good. Any Anybody that tries to demand respect from staff is going to fail because people don't respect positions, especially in Australia, especially in mm. Australia. We don't, we don't respect positions. We don't respect authority. What we respect is people that command that by, by you lead and I will follow you, but you better be leading in a good way. So, so whoever you are, if you're leading, if you don't know who you are and what you stand for, how the hell does anybody else identify you and therefore the culture of your company? If you don't have a set of standards, if you don't have a set of rules, um, that you enforce, how does anybody build culture? Because the, the story is, well, you can have whatever rules you want, you can have whatever standards you want, but nobody enforces them. So it's really everybody, it's a free-for-all. Yeah, know? 100%. And, you know, it's funny, My uh, I, I really like to simplify things, right? And when I think about being a leader, the, the, the what I, I call it Mosesing. Right. This is what I teach my, the, you know, my the managers that I promote for the business is you got to you got to be Moses. Right. And what did Moses do? Moses, he, had, he did two things. Right. I mean, obviously lots more. But theoretically, he said, number one, hey, guys, we're going over there and it's going to be awesome. Right. That was job number one. And job number two was, hey, here are the rules. And, yeah. and you've got to actually enforce those rules. And and so for them as a leader, your job, really, if we were going to boil down what a really good leader does and, and a leader is somebody who, you, you know, if somebody chooses to follow you, they're going to be better off than they would have been without you. That's my definition of what a leader is, is if somebody chooses to allow you to lead them, then you got to deliver and make sure that their their the trajectory of their life is going to go a better angle than it would have without you. Right. And if you decide to be a leader, it's, it's quite a simple process. I mean, simple in in theory, not necessarily in practice. But if you're going to you got to be Moses. Right. We're going over here. It's going to be awesome. And here are the rules and I'll enforce them if I have to. And, and I like what you said about the respect. Right. The respect needs to be you've got to then sprinkle that in with with compassion. Right. You've got to show them there's an old saying that I like. It says no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And if that's supporting them, if that's making time for them, that then balances with your ability to hold boundaries. And that's where the respect comes from. It comes from a mixture of does, do I know that they care about me? And simultaneously, can I get everything past them or are they going to hold their ground sometimes? Yep. So we have a we have a sales meeting and it's critical that everybody's here at 3.30. But the boss turns up anywhere from 3.35 to uh, 10 to 4. I was really busy. 
what's that? That's it's democracy. That's, yeah, you can't have that. You know, like, what is yeah. that? It, it's it's well, it's not that important. Um, I, on the other hand, whenever I I ran a sales team, uh, you only came to my sales meeting late once because as you walked in the door, I would say, "G'day, Barrett. It's nice to meet a bloke that's more important than thirteen others of us sitting around this table, including the managing director." And yes, I was that brutal. Um, yeah, you're but, not going to make that mistake twice, are you? They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Um, and and some people say, you know, I'm a bit of a hard ass or he's tough and a bit blunt and all that. I may have been, but but everybody in my team knew if I said it was three fifty nine, it was three fifty nine. It wasn't four. Yeah. It was three fifty nine. Uh, if it was. If it was, and and even when I run my sales training and 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 other courses that I run now, um, my agenda it's set out and it says we start at eight thirty sharp. We we have we have morning tea and you come back at eleven fifteen sharp. Your benefits are up. Uh, the terminology sharp means it ain't. I think there is something wrong with the internet, George. Yeah. He just lost you. Uh, I had a blackout yeah. there and I came back in, apparently. We Where missed you, you terribly. Miss <laughs> no, you just, yeah, I get you. Say, when you say sharp, you mean sharp. There's a there's a funny hack. I actually learned this from Keith Abraham, who's, yeah. uh, he's won the Nevin Award. He's like a, one of the best motivational speakers in Australia. And um, and he taught, he, he taught he me this. It's pretty brilliant. handy. He's, yeah, you've met him before. Yeah. Oh, he's the man. But he uh, he taught me this. He said, um, uh, if you really want people to be on time for something, start it at a weird time. So if you say the meeting starts at, you know, 3.53, right? Or if you say, you know, 2.57, or if you, if you just pick a random time that isn't a round number, people are drastically more likely without even, especially ones you don't know, if you have an event that you're holding or something like that, if you started at a strange time that they're not used to, people actually turn up on time for that because they're, you know, they're just, it must be important if it's at a weird time. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I remember going yeah. to a couple of um, Tom Hopkins seminars, public seminars, um, and uh, they used to have a policy. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I went to a couple of these seminars where the doors, the doors were shut at, Three minutes past, or five minutes past, it was, or seven minutes past. It was. It wasn't like ten or fifteen minutes. It was, and then you had to wait for the next break. And if, if in that session, if that was a fifteen-minute session or a twenty-five-minute session before he actually had a break, you just waited until until then. Very few people, <laughs> like a like a play, yeah. missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's culture. Every every everybody talks about culture. Um, not everybody not everybody practices it. And the problem that you have with culture, Sarab, is that you have you have people that have these wonderful motherhood statements and our mission statement and all of this beautiful stuff. But then you've got to call out one of your best workers or one of your best uh, yeah. mates or one of your you know if, if it's your partner and your wife or your husband or whatever. And they're in the business, and you've got to call them out. That's when you find out how good the culture is. And people get fear of lost, man. Company owners, like managers, and 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 particularly directors, 
you get fear of loss because it's normally your best performer, right? Because yeah. what makes them good at performing is the fact that they push boundaries in the first place. So um, yeah. it, it is yeah. it is funny when you've got to you've got to put yourself in the firing line sometimes and be willing to be willing to risk you know the immediate loss at the the long term gain of actually having a meaningful culture. So yeah, you bang on. I just I, I just wanted me I just. I just, yeah, I'll just jump this one in, and then I'll let you have. I'll let you come back in, sir. Um, I'm in a uh, BNI networking group, and my my chapter happens to be called Alliance. And I've been there for a couple of years now. And one of my goals was to change change the culture of the chapter. And uh, the number of people that now comment to me when I get up and I talk at different stages through the meeting. I will quite often end with, not every single time, but at some stage I'll get up and I'll say alliance by name. And and I won't say every single person, but throughout the room you hear alliance by nature. It's, it is a very, very strong, you take on one, you take on that whole chapter. And that's what yeah, coaches that's cool. are that's Which is pretty cool because, and without, without uh, overstepping, most networking groups are pretty dweeby. So the, to to get that, you know, is pretty is pretty pretty difficult, right? Because you get a lot yeah. of people that are that you know that they're, they're a lot they're very much about them and not so much about everyone else. So to actually get a sense of unity there is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Sarab, are you going to contribute, or are Barrett and I just going to chat? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to I just wanted to move two steps behind because what we're talking about is once um, any employee is part of the company, but when you're recruiting any any new employee or you're onboarding a new person how do you ensure that the comp that the person aligns to uh the company culture there can always be times when you end up recruiting a person who doesn't rely with, uh, doesn't align with the company culture uh, and then in that scenario how do you make sure uh from your side as a company ceo or a com or a manager of that person to drive that person towards towards a mindset that aligns him or her with the right culture of the company. Do you do it? Have you had any experiences uh, like that in the past, Barrett, or all your empl employees were doing pretty well and they were all aligned with their company culture right from day one? I, I think you know the answer to that, right? But but I um, look, it, it, you know, you you really do. We, we are meticulous in terms of weeding people out in the interview process, right? Hi, you know, hire slow, fire fast is something that gets thrown around a lot. Um, but but it is it's so important to make sure that you're um, that you're really careful who you bring into the business, because one bad hire can set your team back, you know, two months. If you, you know, to get them, you know, see if they don't work out to get them out and then bring the right person in. I'm also, I, you know, I've got to be very clear. I'm not a throw it at the wall and see what sticks type of you know, business owner, right? I, I believe that that skill doesn't come from acquiring people. It comes from developing people. I think being able to build a sustainable business, if you're relying on finding the right person, good luck. So there's definitely a mixture of, you know, you've got to make sure that you're not bringing the wrong people in, but then simultaneously, you've got to develop the right habits as well. The upside is, is when, when a culture is really policed and, and the leaders understand that it's never self-sustaining, Right, that the culture is never self-sustaining. You've got to be constantly nurturing it. If you're nailing it, when when you bring someone in, a lot of the times they'll inculcate into that a person you need them to be because the culture is so strong. 
right? So, so for instance, in, in, in my offices now, right, someone in their first week will make an excuse. And, and before you, I won't even hear about it now because one of the guys will be like, oh, well, hey, what, what? They go, oh, well, just, you know, there's just heaps of people that aren't, you know, X, Y, Z. It's like, you, you know, you can't do that here, right? They go, what? Is that you don't make excuses. You can't control things if you make excuses. You got you got to learn. You got to be able to take accountability. That's huge here. They go, oh, really? And just that one little conversation that happens on day two, right, of, of a we don't do that here type of thing. That I mean, you're going to find that people correct right away so that they fit in. So I think how to how, you know, to answer the second question, which is how do you get people aligned with the culture? If you're doing the culture properly, a lot of that's going to be inculcated naturally. They're going to osmose that just from being there and taking on, you know, seeing what other people do. Right. But how do you get them in correctly in the first place? We, the way that we do it is we really look for our red flags that are like the antithesis for the culture. So for us, we, you know, if our, if our, if our, if our values are compassion standards growth, well, then if someone's got to, got to be compassionate, they've got to be humble, right? Compassion and humility and humility plays in a few areas because if someone, you know, wants to become a leader, eventually they're, you know, if they, if they point fingers, when things go wrong, they're not actually going to be able to fix anything and be effective leaders. And, and if you've got a big ego, that's not going to work. And so one of the questions that we'll ask, and it's quite a common one in interviews, but it's more what we're looking for is we'll say, look, it is easy to talk about strengths in an environment like this. Can you tell us a bit about your weaknesses? And in all honesty, I don't actually care what they say. I'm looking to see how long it takes them to come up with something, because if it takes them too long or they can't come up with anything, guess what? That's a narcissist. And they may be good in another sales organization that doesn't have our culture, but that's, you know, that's a big red, red flag for us. Or for, if I want someone with standards who commits to something and actually, you know, delivers and, and learns and gets obsessed, one thing that we do is, and this sounds a little rough, but if someone hasn't won something before, anything, it could be your eighth grade spelling bee, I don't care. But if they haven't won something, they're not going to fit in our team because they're not going to be competitive. They're not going to be committed. They're not going to, or at least to the levels that we need them to be, they're not going to have the stickability and they're not going to have the accountability to really excel and master their craft. So, so we'll, we'll literally say, look, one thing we've realized is if you want a winning team, you need a team full of winners. What have you done in your life outside of work to demonstrate you're an achiever? Have you won any sort of competitions? And I'm normally looking to see if they've won some sort of martial arts or sport or, you know, dance or something difficult that, that where they've actually had to be better than other people, because that really is going to unlock a, a, a competitive, you know, driven culture within your team if you bring people like that in. So, so it's, it's asking rigged questions where I don't actually care what they say. I'm caring how they say it or how long it takes them to say it, or if there is some evidence of what I'm looking for. And that's then going to show me, okay, that's a good culture fit versus that one. Not so much. It's, um, there's a couple of things that, uh, I do. First one is I ask a question. I actually don't care about the answer. I just care about them answering. And, the, and so sometimes you can ask a question, whatever answer is okay. You just want to see how that comes together, similar to your approach. I'll share one with you, Barrett, if you're still employing salespeople. So you've got a pretty impressive record there. Who do you reckon would give you your best reference and why? And they tell you about this and they did that and they do this and they did all of this. And, and, the, and then I turn around and I say, so give me one or two people that would give you your worst reference as a salesperson and why. 
I've never ever employed a sales rep that says I don't. I've never had a bad reference. I wouldn't, because I can tell yeah, you, anybody, anybody that's in sales that doesn't have somebody that thinks they've done the wrong thing, that's BS. Absolute <laughs> BS. And, and the the reaction that you get to that question, I uh, I was working with a membership committee that had to screen new people coming into their chapter. And we had an accountant turn up and he was saying some really good stuff, just about everything that we'd want to hear. And I said to him, man, I said, you know, I'm impressed. Um, um, so in this process, you've got to put down a couple of references. Um, I said, is that any problem to you getting? No, 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 not at all. I said, okay, well, look, before we do that, can you put down a name of somebody that would give you a worst reference and why? He went to... He went to, I wouldn't have one. He then went to that he decided he did have one. Then he realised the story that he told was so bad that probably weren't going to, we weren't going to let him in. So then he turned that around to them actually loving him. So needless to say, the committee the committee said, you're gone. Yeah, um, that's, that sounds like someone who can warp reality pretty comfortably and those are not people you want in your team. And they 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 continued that I'm no longer involved with that particular organisation, but to the best of my knowledge, they continued that on and may very well still do it today. That one of their standard questions is, who would give you a worse reference? And I can tell you, I've got a few people that, that will give you a horrible reference from me. Now, is it true? That's not the point. I have to be able to acknowledge that somebody doesn't like me. That somebody, yeah. no matter what I did as a They're either a people pleaser or a narcissist, right? Yeah. 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 And you don't want either of them in, in your team. So that's cool. Um, yeah, like the other one. thing, the other policy, Sarab, to answer your question about culture, I think I've shared this with you before, but if not, I'll share it now. You never, ever, ever employ anyone or refer anyone that you're not prepared to risk your reputation on. Now, if, you, if, if you're going to be in our company and you, I don't think you're going to put through the culture and the spirit and all the things that we stand for, then that's going to damage my reputation so you don't come in. All of us within the company are the chickens and you never bring a fox into the chicken coop, never. I don't care how good a, I don't care how good a provider a fox is, you never bring a fox into the chicken coop. And if every chicken works on that basis, there's no foxes in the coop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, makes sense. And guess what? Guess what? That I don't even have to look around for somebody who can give uh, and talk good and bad things about me. I know that person sitting in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> because I think George, George kind of almost knows all the good and bad things that I do in sales. Uh, and I always share with him all the time. I know all the good things you do in sales and some of the mistakes you've made. They're not bad things. That's a different. The con man does bad things. The con woman does bad things. The thieves and the crooks yeah. and all of those, they do bad things. Good people make mistakes. And the reason for that is we are all human beings and we're not perfect. And anyone that thinks that they are, you don't want them in the coop. They're a fox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the other elements that I wanted to talk about before we kind of uh, uh, move towards the end of uh, today's episode is 
what's the role of uh, social get togethers and team gatherings in driving a good culture you know i've been talking a lot within our team as well that uh, you know if you have these kind of social get togethers team gatherings some people can say oh what a time waster just wasting time of the team we can utilize that time for sales you can utilize that time for something else i feel i personally feel that it's a really good way to build rapport with other team members know about them um, and I, i i've seen tremendous uh, kind of uh, results out of it what what's your take on that do you do you, are you a big believer of uh, are you a big believer of that or you have a different take yeah i absolutely so so we we try and get the guys together outside of work time at least once a week we also do we also do morning meetings most mornings we'll get the guys together for even if it's just quick sales training or leadership training or you know some sort of education because that's really built into our culture but we try to have them together as much as possible and ideally something where they're going to suck at something right so like i i find that like bowling or mini golf are really good because what you're trying to do you you hit it on the head if you're trying to build rapport well rapport is a mixture of trust and comfort and if you want to build trust you need to offer vulnerability and what better way to create vulnerability than something where they're inevitably going to do something wrong in front of everyone else and it be fun and funny and then be rewarded for doing that so bowling uh driving range like top golf mini golf go-karting you know experiences where they're going to do something silly not just going to the pub and having a beer but but something active i think that's huge for developing trust and developing that comfort with one another um so i i really like those um we do we do definitely try and get it in as much as possible the other one that i find is really beneficial is having them work towards an experience together so hey we get 100 sales two weeks in a row we're going to go paintballing together and everyone gets to shoot Johnny over here who's been talking smack for the last two weeks right like you know you you're getting something where they're actually working toward a result together and then going and doing that thing and making it it fun that's also really beneficial as well so i do think they're big for culture great do you have anything to add up to that shot yeah um i don't i don't worry too much if people don't attend all the social things um if uh, you've got a young family versus a mature age person who's all their kids have grown up that that makes life a bit easier um what we used to do um in when I was at artline uh we would have some some social events that were family oriented so we'd have a picnics and we and we do we do things where bring the kids was a very big part of that and then we'd have other events that would be an adults only um thing that we're going to a club or we're going to a, a show where the kids weren't to participate and you'd have some people that would join in some some people would join in the other and some people that would join in all but one of the things that you got to be careful of with um these wonderful wonderful team building ex- uh experiences i worked in a company many years ago and the father was the salt of the earth he was just a terrific bloke and 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 his son that was mainly there because he was the son of the father um he decided he decided that the culture was wrong so he decided he'd have a team building exercise and they they went away on a um, a commando weekend type thing you know with all the um the the slides and all the ropes and all of that sort of stuff 
the 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 son who was the boss as far as those people were concerned came to blows with one chap and two of the staff resigned on the weekend well done great, great, <laughs> great. now funny old thing about that his culture was appalling the team re the team was actually banded together against him <laughs> and then when he tries to bring them all together, the whole thing blew up in his face. Come back to, if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you stand for, who the hell wants to follow you as their leader? So, so just doing an exercise, it doesn't mean anything. If you don't believe in the culture, if you don't believe in helping people, if you're there as an egotistical maniac, all you're going to do is be an egotistical maniac on the golf course or on the on the, <laughs> or on the you know. we actually had a we actually had a christmas party and um uh each each person we, we had the chris kringle christmas party where each each person just pulled a name out of a hat and then it was your job to go and buy them um yeah. that the person you got you were supposed to buy them a gift so nobody knew who bought anybody anything and and all the gifts were, were just, there was in a, in a room, you could put the gifts in the room. Nobody, unless you were silly enough, nobody actually saw who went in and put the gift in or which gifts was from who. Now, if you wrote a card, maybe they'd know your handwriting. Um, he got, you'll love this, Barrett, he got three copies of How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> not, not one, we, it was a gift per person. He got three copies of that. He got uh, another copy of something about uh, interpersonal relationships. Another one. <laughs> he got about six books. Everyone, I wonder everyone, if he took the hint, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, he was. He was. Um, he, he accused me of buying three of them, and I said, "I wouldn't waste." <laughs> and I, he, he, he said it in front of everybody. I said, "Mate, I wouldn't waste the money on you. Don't worry about it." <laughs> Uh, I think I think we had a similar game at our workplace. Uh, there are a lot of online games these days where you can kind of uh, you know have these online secret Santa uh, gift get-togethers, and you know it just randomly puts a name in front of you, and you have to buy anything from their wish list. Um, yep. So I was the one organizing it last time, and I was making sure that nobody buys double gifts, and it's it's not like if you have put in perfume and then you put in a book, it's not like two two people buying the perfumes. Uh, instead of buying one perfume and one book, so I was the one making sure that nobody doubles up and everyone gets unique gifts. Otherwise, at the end of the day, people will be like, I've got three items and I've got three duplicates. So we well, and all three of them are sure. deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> well, well what, what really stuck out about the culture of that company was that when he got when he opened the first one and he was cranky, even in front of him, everybody else was laughing. And when he got the second one, they were still laughing. And it, it, it was really him against the team. It actually brought the team together um, more than drove it apart. It was it was it's quite an extraordinary setup. And the team was there for his father, not for him. Yeah. Uh, so so culture and all of that, it, it's got to be an organic thing. It's got to be real, um, uh, and and whoever's whoever's driving it, it's got to be the champion, because if you don't, yep. if you're not, you don't believe. Oh yeah, well, that's right. I got to have a business plan and a mission statement, 
and a purpose statement. Oh, 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 we'll have a we'll have one of them culture things. That person that that's that's not realistic. It's it's not realistic. Yeah, I, yeah. I think where a lot of people screw up is they they just they they vastly underestimate how much how attentive you need to be or how thorough you need to be with culture. It's not something you just haphazardly set and forget, right? No. It, like it's a it constant nurturing and watering and, you know, like you, you really have to, it, you got to really get your head around the idea that as a leader, it's never self-sustaining. And the moment you get complacent and kick your feet on the desk when it comes to the team's culture is the moment you lose the team. That, that, yeah. that, you know, you, there's always, you know, that little bit of healthy paranoia of is everyone having fun? Is everyone okay? Is everyone, you know, is everyone buying into where we're going? You got to kick the tires a little bit because sometimes the answers you get are going to surprise you. Yeah. So, um, Bad, one final question from my side for you is um, you know, I was going through this report on the great places to work uh, and it lists down eight different values. I'm sure we have already discussed about these values. I think it says credibility, respect, fairness, pride, belonging, effective leadership, uh, innovation, values. Any of these value, any, any of these eight uh, parameters you kind of rely more on uh, when you define company culture and why? Um, look, I think as far as culture, right, it, it's really got to be relevant to the company, right? Because if, you know, if you're, you know, if you do, if you're running like a healthcare business, right, you know, driving, you know, motivation and rah rah and and you know, push your limits is not really gonna gonna be relevant, right? You you you'll want to have something that makes people feel safe and secure, right? Or if you're, you know, like you've got a, you know, I, I really do think that it, the, the the way that you come up with values just needs to literally be. If I could imagine, if I close my eyes and look at the best possible business that we could have five years from now. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And then it's very easy. Once you create that story of what it should look like, it's very easy to extrapolate the things that make that happen. And so for us, I, you know, I, I've said it before, but it's for us, it's compassion standards growth, right? It's making sure that everybody is picking each other up, not pushing each other down. Everybody is getting, you know, doing the things they have to do regardless of the excuses and they're getting better every day. And I'd say if I had to pick one, getting better every day would be, I mean, that oh, actually they're all pretty equal to be honest, but, but, you know, people coming in to improve, that's what makes the job fun. Because if you're getting better at something every day and you're getting those feedback loops, that that's going to create that's when the workplace is at its best because people are just topped up on dopamine all the time and and there's an inherent sense of momentum and drive and effort that comes out just from people getting hooked on developing themselves so i'd say that's probably the biggest one is just people you know people leveling up within the business and whether that's in terms of progression and promotion or whether that's just in terms of their own skills or even their mentality right some of their mental habits and how they think uh, I think those are the, the most important thing for us is that if we're going to be a company where our mission statement is to be the best personal development avenue in the world for people with an above average desire to be successful. Well, it, it's pretty imperative that, you know, as, as you mentioned before, George, that you're not a hypocrite about that. Like for me, I wake up and I've got I've got this like race in my head of like, I've got to outlearn everyone. I've got to, I've certainly got to outlearn my staff because I'm not going to let them catch me up and, be, and make myself obsolete because if I'm going to be the limit for how much they can grow, I need to make sure I'm blowing the lid off that limit. So, so you know, I, and making sure that all of our leaders are doing the same thing. 
I, um, I have a slightly different approach. Culture, what's the importance of the culture within the company? It's to take the company forward. It's for the company to be able to do with anything that comes its way and the company to be able to stay as a unit and go forward. So to me, culture is the car. So now when you ask about the when you ask about which is more important, Sarab, once you've set your culture and what those what those criteria are, it's to me, are you asking me is a steering wheel more important than a gearbox? Are you asking me that a gearbox is more important than the engine? Are you asking me that the engine's more important than the brakes? Are you asking me the tyres are more important than the windscreen wipers? And so to me, culture, there is nothing that's more important than the whole thing has to come together to move forward. And if you take that approach, you'll then, you'll then, um, you'll then constantly make sure you keep the maintenance up. Sometimes the tyres are great, but the brakes need a little bit of work. Sometimes the brakes are good, but the gearbox is eh, a little bit sus. And that's what culture is about to me. Culture is the total vehicle to take a business or an organisation. It doesn't have to be a commercial business, right? But yeah. picking, picking which is the best for me, I, I don't accept it. I, uh, I'm not saying that it, mine's the only view. I'm just saying my view, the whole lot is important because I want the whole thing to be able to move. So if we get the engine going real good, but nobody nobody thought about putting brakes on it, there's going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good thought. So on that note, um, I know that we have got a lot of uh, things to discuss here, but we're running short of time. Um, I'm very mindful of the time that Barrett has um, and very thankful for him to spend this evening with us. Really good to have you, Bart. Uh, if you are ever in Sydney, we would love to meet you. Uh, you're based in Sydney or Brisbane? Gold Coast. Gold Coast. All right, none of them. So whenever you are in uh, Sydney, we would love to catch up with you okay, and Brisbane also invite you. Yeah, I got I got yeah. the better place to come to. You guys come to me. <laughs> Nothing good down in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. Well, Barrett, the Gold Coast is wonderful. It's just a shame it's in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> all right great stuff Brad. um i'll we'll chat with you soon thank you so much again and uh i hope to see you very soon awesome thanks guys this was fun cheers thanks for joining thank us this is an ultimate global podcast hello and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.